so that we can, right? So going to a meditation retreat is only giving you the opportunity to actually intellectually and physically know that you are on retreat and mm-hmm. that there's nothing to do on retreat other than be on retreat. Mm-hmm. You've got that intellectual knowledge and you've got the, the body in the retreat. Physically, there you are. Mm-hmm. So all we have to do now is to change that intellectual understanding into a deeper, more, let us call it emotional or feeling understanding. Ah, wow, what a relief. There is no place to go. Ah, and then we can relax. You've already arrived. That's another way of thinking about it. There's mm-hmm. no place to go because you've just been on a journey and finally, for the first time in your life, you've arrived. You've arrived <laughs> at your destination. Here you are, finally. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy the fact that you've stopped roaming, stopped traveling, stopped going, and can sit down and stop and enjoy. So that's basically all that all there all there is to it to a retreat is just being there and enjoying it. Being there and enjoying it. And people who do that come out of the retreat saying, Wow, what a masterful retreat. Wow, I really got a lot out of that retreat. And really all <laughs> they got was a little peace and quiet. The quiet <laughs> came with the retreat. Peace is optional. Up to the yeah. student. I see. All right. Now, most of those people who go to those retreats go into the retreat thinking that all they have to do is sit there and kind of do what they were told to do. They don't really have to do what they were told to do because nobody knows whether they're actually doing what they were told to do. Nobody can read Mm. your mind. All they can do is read your postures, your body movements and whatnot like that. And some people can sit like a stone statue in that meditation retreat and ruin their knees and get really angry, but they do it. They're tough. Right. Well, they were tough when they came into the retreat, so the skill of toughness is not necessarily advantageous. The question is, do you have the skill to relax? And yet most people want to tough it out, thinking that if they tough out the retreat, they'll get some benefit or value out of it. And so something comes by and they notice it and they think, oh, this is an experience. Oh, this is a meditation experience. Oh, something marvelous has happened. Maybe this is rebirth experience. Maybe I'm a soda pond. And all they did was just have a good feeling. Right. What what is the soda pond? Can you have another good feeling and another Mm. good feeling after that? So it's not a matter of intensity. It's a matter of repetition repetition over and over and over and over again until you finally do get that state of relaxation right and i see and there's nothing like that you have to do with the breath or like that you have to focus on you just have to be there and enjoy it not have to but it's beneficial that if mm. the body is relaxing and getting good breathing and the blood um, oxygen level and the, um, the carbon dioxide levels are really good and valuable. You see, most people, when they're sitting there like a stone statue, they're not breathing very well and they're starving mm. their body of oxygen 
and building up all that carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. So you actually have to remember to breathe because mm. the automatic breathing is too shallow for the work that we're doing here. The work of happiness requires some effort. Right. So make sure that you're breathing well so that so that by breathing well, by getting your body into a, um, a comfortable uh, posture in a safe environment is a reality. That if the body is not comfortable, how can you relax the mind? And yet a lot of people going and doing retreats, they wind up not being comfortable because they're not used to those sitting postures. Mm. The first day, okay. But an hour into it, now I feel body pain and that body pain is going to be there for the whole rest of the retreat. Unless people are doing something correct about it, recognizing that there's body pain means that they can go and adjust their posture so that the body is comfortable again. Mm. You have to practice with the body comfortable, otherwise the body's discomfort is going to invade the mind and put you in a state of dukkha. Because you don't right. like the body being uncomfortable. That state of not liking, being uncomfortable, not liking it, is being dissatisfied with it. So it's automatically going to be dukkha. So what you do is you get the body comfortable, and now when the body is comfortable, you can at least start with that point. Well, at least my body is comfortable. At least I'm relaxed and easygoing about the with the body. Maybe I can get the mind easygoing and relaxed also. But again, a lot of the students want something special out of their retreat. And because they want something special, they'll give themselves sort of a magic cookie retreat. Mm. And then they'll go run to the teacher. And if it's a bad teacher or a Western teacher, the Western teacher will say, hot dog, I'm really glad you had that experience. That means that you're making progress. And now I'll give you some label and you can wear that label around. Like, oh, I had this whoop to do experience, and so now I've got a special label to wear. That's Western Buddhism, looking mm. for something special. Mm. What we're looking, what the correct practice is, is to get into an ordinary moment that's wonderful, and then have one more moment that's wonderful, and one more moment that's happy, and one more moment that's satisfying, and one more okay moment until the okayness and the and the the joy and the pleasure becomes routine it becomes ordinary and then you could live your life in an ordinary way full of joy and happiness all the time but mm. if you go into that retreat thinking i'm looking for some special uh, experience, then when people leave the retreat, they'll go around living their lives, still wanting something, still expecting some special magical moment to happen. And then when that moment does happen, that makes it harder to have it again, because now you know what kind of uh, experience you want. And so you grasp and cling and try to create that experience again. And all you get is a brand new experience instead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> but every experience so, will be a new experience, right? Every one of them. The now is constantly new. That's why we have to keep paying attention. 
the Buddhist mm. uh, teaching with that, and a lot of people understand, let us say, at least intellectually understand, Anicca Vata Sankara. Anicca means everything is changing. Mm. Anicca Adukkha Anatta. Anything that can change will change, and when it does, you've got a choice. Are you going to attach to it and, and hate that change, or are you going to let it go? Mm. Right. I feel like that ties into a personal experience that I'm struggling with recently. For example, I had a very long relationship since like 2016. It's been like on and off, blah, 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 like trouble. And now it's it's like maybe three weeks ago, it finally broke off. And I really feel like I'm very attached to that person and I have a, I'm struggling letting that go. Right. Well, here's one thing that you can change that will help that. You're not attached to the person. You're attached to your idea of that person. Mm -hmm. But that's what we get attached to. We don't get attached to the actual item. We get attached to our idea of that item. Let mm -hmm. us say that it's something like a laptop breaks. Oh, poor me, my laptop broke. But all it takes is just to visit to the store, buy another laptop, spend an hour or two, bring your all your uh, features and things back up, and off you go again. Why mm -hmm. attach to the broken old laptop? Then, in fact, even more wise would be to have a spare. <laughs> but, but that's. So the metaphor is that my girlfriend is the laptop or my ex-girlfriend yeah. is the laptop? But yeah, I have a, se have a second laptop. So if the first one fails, never mind. I've got another. I've got a backup. No problem. <laughs> I feel like that's uh, uh, immoral. Huh? Somehow. I feel like that's immoral somehow. Like just well, being able to. Well, that's a rule that you've made and is your own morality and you learn that rule. I think that, in fact, you're you're taking a rule that you have about one thing and applying it to another. For instance, I'm talking about laptops and you're thinking about girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah. And notice I'm talking about laptops. Yeah, but the laptop is a metaphor for a girlfriend, right? Well, it's if if that means that we may have to adjust the metaphor. So when one girlfriend goes out the door, go find another one rather than pining over the old one. Mm. Or an option would be pining for a girlfriend comes with the territory. Why should I give myself dukkha by wanting girlfriends who go away? Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have a whole lot less suffering if you can manage being on your own without needing a girlfriend. But our society has the rule, you need a girlfriend. You've got all these hormones and you've got all of these religions and you've got all these marriage ceremonies and granny wants a baby. Go do your duty. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel like I need a girlfriend, but I just feel like I'm actually planning on like not getting anyone for not like looking for it in, at least for uh, a period of time but 
I do feel like somehow I have, yeah, attachment. So I wouldn't say it's it's the need for someone for for her. It's just more so like there's. Ah, but now you're going someplace because if you in fact don't heed her, then you can say that to yourself whenever thoughts come up about her instead of pining for you you now can say oh i don't need her in this moment i don't need her in this moment i can sit down in my retreat and relax and enjoy the moment yeah okay that's true yeah <laughs> now we're getting someplace exactly so then again it's just about recognizing that i am in dukkha because i miss yeah. her or because i am attached to her and just recognizing like oh i don't need i don't need her i'm very good on my own yeah right you're okay without her <laughs> yeah okay i guess yeah. yeah, that's true. And 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 do you have to believe it when you say it? Do you have to believe that that is really true? Because sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm happy. And then it feels like I'm lying to myself. OK, have you ever read Hitler's book, Mein Kampf? I haven't. Have you ever watched television? Yes. Do you understand the whole point about advertisements on television? Yeah. OK, that people can, in fact, see a chewing gum commercial. Back in the, the day, there were tons of chewing gum commercials, double mint gum and. Uh, um, oh, what was that? Uh, Tutti Frutti and they mm -hmm. advertised on television. And nobody, when they first heard those advertisements for chewing gum, bought any chewing gum. But after constantly having those chewing gum commercials on television, the sales for chewing gum begins to go up. All right, so back to Mein Kampf now. Hitler put in his book, Mein Kampf, that if you tell a lie often enough, you will start to believe it. It becomes familiar. And the mm -hmm. reason I feel good does not feel comfortable because you've been lying to yourself all along and now you believe the lies. So when the truth comes by, you don't want that truth. It don't feel right. Mm -hmm. But if you keep telling yourself the truth, you it will begin to sink in. Hmm. And when you say, oh, I feel good, and then you have the thought, oh, well, really, I don't feel good. That's just a second thought. I don't believe the first thought. And that second thought is then the dukkha. And then you can say. And then you can say, aha, I see that thought. Never mind. I'll go back and tell myself I feel good again. And this time it feels a little better. But if you go with, I feel good, no, I don't. I really don't. I told you I don't feel good. I don't want you to tell myself that I feel good because I don't. And now look how many thoughts that you've had that were negative. And only one positive thought, and you just beat the hell out of that one. <laughs> with all of these other negative thoughts. Yeah. So it's You're really so about deliberately, like, like deliberately making choice to have a certain thought that is good and just 
keep doing that until mm -hmm. it's true. Well, it was already true until you accept that it's true. Because you have been lying to yourself and believing your lies. And so when something true comes along, we don't like it so much. There is a phrase out of the Bible that I use that has a, a, an additional line to it. Jesus is quoted as saying, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Have you ever mm -hmm. heard that? There's yeah. a third line to it. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, but first it will really piss you off. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. You're telling yeah. yourself the truth. Wow, this is good. I can relax. I feel good. And then you say, wait a minute. I don't like that truth. It's not the truth that I've been telling myself. The truth that I've been telling myself is in fact a lie. When I begin to understand what's really the truth, I don't like it at all. Because mm -hmm. we were already believing the lies. We were already in a state of delusion. Yeah. Why, why do you think it is that people cling to suffering in a sense? Because I notice it with myself as well, that sometimes it feels good to feel bad. Uh, let us say it feels comfortable to feel bad. Why? Because it's familiar. It's known. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing something that's better. It's just unfamiliar and not known. And any time that we try out a new skill, and I've got several in mind from my past childhood, learning to use a sewing machine, learning to put a screw into the place under the dash of a car where you can't see. You're going to have to field your way through that and getting and students who can't do that will get really frustrated trying to get that screw in. But after you get 10,000 screws in place without being able to see where they're going, and now you've got a new skill. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> learning to use a sewing machine, learning to drive. I mean, how long did it take you to, to learn to drive? Six know, months? Like, yeah, like four, I don't know, like 10 lessons or 15 lessons or something. Okay, so 15 hours of, of lessons, plus you weren't really an excellent driver. You weren't after 15 hours ready to go on the motor speedway at 100 miles an hour. Not yet. Yeah. Okay, commercial airline pilots, they've got rules about them. You can't just get an assistant of Piper and uh, 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 run around for an hour or two and then go get a job as an airline pilot. No, you need 10, 15,000 hours of airline pilot training why because then that skill is there but people can sit on the floor in a meditation hall and never get any skills and they can spend ten thousand hours and never get any skills the question is can you sit there and develop the skill of happiness can you sit there and develop the skill of gladdening your mind brightening your mind over and over and over and over and over again until you begin to believe it yeah smile until you deliberately feel happy yeah smile darn you smile yeah. let's do it 
though your heart is breaking. Smile, though your heart is breaking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. And how do you smile? By remembering to smile. Yeah. Broken heart and all, never mind. Start again. At least this moment, I'm okay. Yeah, I'll I'll think about my broken heart later, but right now I'm not going to think about the broken heart. I'm going to think about the fact that I survived that broken heart experience. I'm alive. Whoop de doo, I made it. Here I am. Yeah. And so you can begin to cheer yourself up. Yeah, Just like yeah. I cheered you up on this call. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do feel better. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. So notice that you could do that with yourself. And you didn't have, uh, or maybe you didn't have a thought about it. Or maybe it was deeper than that, is subconscious. But here's the question. Did you have the thoughts, oh, Damarato is trying to cheer me up and he can't do it? No. Oh, you didn't, no, you didn't have that thought. Okay. So why do you have, oh, I can't cheer myself up kind of thoughts? I don't really believe it when I say cheer up. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> because, yeah, because it's the way it's supposed, like you've done it always, I guess. Uh-huh, because we're practicing that old habit of things are not good enough. Mm. We're trained that way. Okay, so the first grader, new kid in school, asked mommy, why do I have to learn the ABCs? Why do I have to learn the one, two, threes? You know what mommy's answer is? So you can read, so you can do arithmetic. Well, mommy, why should I read? Well, mommy's beginning to run out of stories because the reality is, is that the, the skill of reading has no benefit in and of itself until you develop the skills necessary to learn to read. And most people don't like to read. Very few people read mm -hmm. because they don't like it. Mm. And so we'll skim articles. We'll listen a bit and then quit. <laughs> and that goes all the way back to our first day in school. So when Johnny says, Mommy, why should I learn the ABCs? Why should I learn the one, two, threes? Mommy's correct answer would be, wow, I really like it. I bet you'd like it too if you started to like it. You can like one, two, threes and ABCs. Well, you know <laughs> something, okay? But we're, we don't teach our children to cheer up while we're learning. We're supposed to be miserable while we're learning and only wait for the rewards years later. Right. So and the reward never the really benefit, comes. Mm -hmm, and then the reward never comes. Yeah, there's always some point later in time where the reward will be. Okay, so <laughs> now what we're practicing is giving yourself the rewards right now, the rewards that you should have had all of those years and didn't. Now is the time to have that reward. Yeah. And the meditation retreat is a really excellent place to do that, to just sit down and reward yourself for all of the stuff that you put yourself through and you survived it. Mm. 
all of those disappointing times that you didn't get a reward will now give yourself the reward for it. By saying goodbye past, I don't need that anymore. I've got a way of rewarding myself now. Yeah. 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 I so think- never mind. Start again. When those thoughts of all oh, this isn't good enough come up, I can say, aha, I see that. I'm making myself miserable, just like I've always made myself miserable, but thinking that things aren't good enough yet. And in fact, they are. Things yeah. are just fine. You're good enough. Yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah. You just <laughs> sit there and every time the mind wanders away into some misery gut place, we could say, oh, well, I don't have to do that right now. I can just sit here and relax and enjoy. One more breath. Just one more. I can take another deep breath and just enjoy this moment. This yeah. moment's good enough. Right here, right now, this is good enough. Let me enjoy it. How how do you know if something is a is a is a wholesome thought or a bad thought? Like sometimes, yeah. How do you know if something is a wholesome thought? All right. Let's put it this way. There are three kinds of thoughts. There are downright, absolutely, without a doubt, unwholesome thoughts. All we have to do is take a look at it and recognize this is unwholesome. And then on the other end of the scale, there is a few thoughts, quite a lot of thoughts, that are downright wholesome, without a doubt. Leaving that middle ground of I'm not sure what this is a wholesome thought or not, and that's going to be about 90% of all the thoughts, that in-between place. That's where the investigation comes in to investigate that thought. Is this really worth having right now or can I make an improvement? And generally you can improve any thought, whatever thought you're having, you can have it better than that. So if you're having thoughts about having an argument with a girlfriend or Aunt Susie or Granny or someone like that, and then you sit down for meditation and those thoughts about that argument come up, instead of continuing to argue with Granny, We can have the thought, you know something, Granny's not here right now. I don't have to argue with her. She's not even here. This is a meditation hall. Granny wouldn't dare uh, put a step in in the meditation hall. She's not here. Why did I bring her with me? (laughs) And so I can take that thought right out. I don't have to think about her at all. Same with girlfriends, same with moms and dads and anybody that you know, when you start thinking about another person, you can say, hey, I don't have to think about them. They're not here. I don't know them anything right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. So I you can, can sit here and enjoy myself. I don't have to think about other people. Yeah. So in that regard, thinking about other people is unwholesome. When we recognize that, we don't think about other people, especially in the sense of being cruel to them, like continuing an argument, or maybe thinking about going to the gun store and getting a final result for that argument. The only way to get that argument over with is by putting them out of their misery. (laughs) (laughs) Except that you could put yourself out of the misery by just stop thinking about them and think about what's happening right now. 
So thoughts of cruelty, thoughts of hurting someone, thoughts of getting even, thoughts of revenge, you can automatically see those are unwholesome thoughts. Yeah, I feel like the very, yeah, 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 go ahead. The very unwholesome thoughts is, is pretty like obvious like obviously it takes some uh it takes still takes awareness to recognize them uh like not being caught up in that moment but like what about the the middle ground is it you just have to think like for example if i'm thinking oh I've ha i'm having a call with damarato i could instead think oh, i'm having an amazing call with damarato and i'm so happy to be here okay well that's an, uh, that's a wholesome thought but is it necessary to create to make those neutral thoughts wholesome or necessary like uh, it's well, just you're because calling you want it neutral to... where in fact I'm calling it wholesome. So maybe a, a second visit to those kind of thoughts and you would convince yourself, oh, well, that's OK. That's a good thought to have. That's not yeah. that's not Duca. I'm not creating problems with that one. But thinking about arguing with me, thinking about shooting me with a gun, thinking about <laughs> doing away with me, those are unwholesome thoughts. Right. Hmm. And then there is the kind of thought that's downright wholesome, and we know that it's right wholesome. What would that be? Thoughts of, wow, this is really nice. Wow, I, I feel satisfied. Wow, I'm getting good at this. I can really handle my own mind. Now, those are really wholesome thoughts. A kind of thought like it doesn't matter what kind of hindrances come to mind. I can throw them out and be happy right now. Mm. And would you say that, for example, um, like the, I, I, I feel like the feeling of, oh, I've arrived and I'm here and I can just enjoy it and it's just all good. Like there's nothing to worry about. I'm here relaxed. That is all feels very good, but it feels like it's more easy if you really like set a time for it. Like for example, okay, I'm gonna it's good do to that practice. Now. Exactly. It's good to set a time down. Then in fact that's something that we can discuss, but we'll have plenty of time to discuss this stuff before the November retreat. November is a long, long way away. Yeah, that's true. This, in fact, is hundreds of thousands of moments from now. How are you going to spend the hundreds of thousands of moments between now and the time that the retreat starts? Well, happy. One at a time. Yeah, I can. Oh, I'm going to have so much fun on that retreat. That's a wholesome thought. Yeah, but is it bad that it's in the future? Well, it's being in the present in the sense of congratulating yourself right now for making plans to do the retreat. But hmm. if you start thinking about what's the retreat hall look like, what are those people there? What's going on here? You know, and we start thinking and planning, et cetera, like that, you'll probably wind up feeling bad about it, being hmm. confused. But if you just say to thought, oh, I'm going to enjoy that retreat, and now I can enjoy this moment. Yeah, so, so maybe I should. It's about, about pleasure. 
so I don't even have to think about what the retreat is going to look like. I just have to look forward to it, congratulate myself that I'm that I've that I'm going, that I've made the step, I guess, and then when I'm there, just enjoy enjoy it. it. Mm -hmm. There's no looking for anything special, but the Western Buddhism is always looking for something special. A whole lot of words. Like you've heard the word Nibbana. People who want Nibbana will never get it. The wanting of the Nibbana is going to prevent them from getting it. It's rubbing, mm -hmm. wanting. Okay. Where is the Nibbana? Actually, where the word Nibbana means just to chill. And so you say, oh, yeah, I can just chill. I don't need Nibbana. I can just chill. And that's Nibbana. Just chill. Just chilling out. Don't need anything. Everything is okay right now. Mm. Ah, what a relief it is. I don't need Nibbana. I'm having too much fun without it. Mm. I don't need enlightenment. <laughs> I'm completely satisfied with or without it. This is why the Zen masters will teach the uh, better students that they're already enlightened. Why? Because if they're already enlightened, then they stop wanting something that they don't have. They've already got it. Mm. So when someone wants enlightened, they're not enlightened with no possibility of becoming enlightened. But when they stop be wanting to be enlightened and just be satisfied with what's happening right now, that's enlightenment. Yeah, maybe the people take the word enlightenment too heavy. As if it's like, like maybe some something heavenly or something. Like, but right, like the word enlightenment was not invented by Buddhists at all. It was invented by Christians and people who were at war with Christians. That's where the word comes from. Yeah, it's a war between science and logic versus the Catholic Church and all the stupid things that they've had to say for two thousand years to keep people <laughs> under their thumb. Yeah, and so in the word enlightenment is not a good word to use. When I think of the word enlightenment, I think about guillotines in Paris. The Buddha never used the word enlightenment, and most of the Westerners that I talk to, even those who claim, and right now for the past month or so, it looks like that we're running across a whole bunch of people who are claiming they're enlightened. And they don't even know what it means. Mm. So I'll give you a working definition of enlightenment. A working definition means to apply it. Right? The first kind of enlightenment, there's two kinds, has to do with the word light. Okay? Shine a light on it. your own. That's the kind of light, the, the light of day. That in fact, you probably even heard that sunshine is the best disinfectant. Mm. That's why it's good to put your laundry out on the line rather than putting it in a machine to roll over and over again while you burn the stuff. Okay. So hang yourself out to dry in the sunlight and see what's going on. 
That's the first kind of enlightenment is knowledge, investigation done over and over and over again is looking. You see, there's a difference between the verb looking and the. Um, the noun of view. Viewing and views are not the same thing. And so many people, when we talk about looking and viewing, they say, oh, I already have a world view. I have a point of view. Guess what? Points of view change. World mm-hmm. views, when the world changes, do the world views change? Does the world view actually match the world? Is it even possible for a world view to match the world? Not a chance. Okay. But really, in that reality, that kind of a view is more of a concept or an idea or a rule about what it should be. But what we're actually doing is investigating, looking. And there's a big difference between investigating and an investigation. An investigation is old, it's a book, it's closed, it's set. The investigation is finished. Okay? That's not what we're doing here. It's not a closed investigation with evidence already collected. It's the active action of collecting new evidence. This evidence. Why? Because the old evidence gets old. Hmm. The moment you look at it, it's already old. Right, but after, well, that's a little bit too soon. We'll save 10 seconds. Okay. Anything older than 10 seconds is getting old. Okay. So when you're having thoughts that you've had before, those are just old thoughts. Let's have some new ones. Some new thoughts based upon the investigation of what we see right here, right now. And what are we looking at? We're looking at the body. We're looking at the feelings. We're looking at the mind and what the mind is doing. Now, when I say looking at the mind, we're talking about mind states. What kind of mind state do you have? Do you have a mind state of being tired? You have a mind state of being on top of the world. You have a mind state of being a victim because that's how most people go to do a retreat. Oh, it's going to be so much work. I'll get benefit out of it, but it's so much work. Okay, that's a victim's attitude. Mm. The right way to go into a retreat is hot diggity dog. We're going to have fun here. I'm going to start using that hot diggity dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going we're going to have fun here. That's the way of having the right attitude. The right attitude is an attitude of success, and the wrong attitude is an attitude of failure and hard work. So when people you can listen to people and how they speak and you can tell whether they're a victim or a winner. When they talk about words like job and work and hard and try, those are all losers' words. Mm. And what are and a lot words? of people go into meditation with that loser's attitude. Mm. But the winner's attitude, it has a few words to it. One of them is hot diggity dog. We could do <laughs> okay. this. That's what the We've Buddha said, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the Buddha said hot diggity dog, but he probably <laughs> did in Pali. <laughs> yeah.
Yeah. I guess you could say in Thai, we could even say Ron, which is hot, Gang, which is great. Hot, uh, Ron Gang. Ron Gang. Yeah, Ron is hot. Hot dog or hot, hot damn. (laughs) Hot damn, hot diggity dog. (laughs) Yeah, and it has that quality of can do, the can do attitude. Yeah, I think I can. Right. Well, that's going the way. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can is on the way to I can. Okay, okay. Which is on the way to hot damn I can. (laughs) We've got this wired. I can. (laughs) I think I can. I think I can. I think I can is going right in that direction. And oh, no, this is hard work. That's in going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Buddhism and the teaching of the Buddha and the practice of Anapanasati, sometimes called meditation, is easy. There's very, very little to it. Mm. We just need to do the same little thing over and over and over and over again. Each new moment, we do it again. Yeah, each little moment, this is good enough. This is good enough. I remember the the first call we had. um, You were like, yeah, and at some point you get get so good that you don't even want to. um, uh, You don't even have to like. It's like you are an MMA champion and then the 16 year old kid who is like gotten in a couple fights wants to fight you and then you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to fight this person because, you know, it would always be sad to fight with him. And then right. and then I feel like you don't want to hurt the just, kid just because he's excited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you kind of go from I think I can to I can to I'm the this is amazing. I'm the best that's ever done I'm the, it. I'm and, the champion here, right? That's the whole yeah. point. That in fact, that's the lion's roar now. You've heard yeah. about the Buddha referred to as a lion. Also referred to as a bull. But when we refer it that way, it's not a cow's bull. It's an elephant bull. Okay. The bull elephant, right? The one who's got an image. Gajones. <laughs> okay. That's the way that we look at it is, is that when you keep developing the mind into a positive state, then that championship quality comes up so that any group that you go to, you're the boss there. The Buddha talked about it in an assembly. If he sits down in an assembly, let us say it's a legislative assembly of people and he can sit there and he can jump on and he can hold his place and he can put out ideas. He's not afraid to walk into an assembly of legislators. He's the king when he walks in. Hmm. The same thing with music, but let us say that you you're in a position to where one musician plays for a while and then quits and then another musician plays for a while and quits kind of like in a contest or something. 
Well, when you play, you know that you're the absolute best there is. And you perform like that. And you just play and you enjoy the hell out of it. And then after you sit down, the next musician that comes up, you can enjoy his music mm-hmm. without comparing him to you. Right. Because you've already succeeded. You're already on top. Let's help him get on top, too. <laughs> So the dukkha is in the comparison. Well, right. The dukkha is in the attitude Mm. of failure. Why? Because failure is not satisfying. But being a winner is satisfying. Right. And then the failure would come from thinking, oh, this person is better than me. Oh, this guy's better than I am. Exactly. And then it's maybe I could break his guitar and then I'll be better than he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's also kind of nice, like not having the feeling to have to compete because you've already done it. You're already the winner, right? Okay. That in fact, this is something that the Buddha makes a point about is is that any time that you compete with another person, both of you set the rules. And almost always the rules that you set for this competition are not the same rules that he sets for the competition. Mm. And if you understand that, then both of you can be winners based upon your own set of criteria. But oftentimes we lose because we set the criteria up so that we will lose. We know in advance whether we're going to lose or win. Depending upon because we got uh, presence of mind enough to know that I've got the choice here to choose what rules or conditions this competition is under. Also, the word is criteria. We set the criteria for the uh, for the contest, the rules of the game. Okay, even though it's a well-known game like baseball and basketball, still different players will set new rules. Hmm. Because they because they want to. Because they think that they can't win without changing the rules. Hmm. And in fact, they set the rules in the first place. So knowing that you set the rules for whether you're going to win or lose, you can begin to play and experiment with it so that you set the rules in the game so that you win it every time. Well, if you win the rule, if you win the game every time because you're making up your own rules, what's the point of competing with people? I'm going to win anyway. Why should I compete with anybody? Yeah. But then... I I do, I don't follow along how it's how it's the rules of for example if you're gonna play basketball like how can you if the rules are already set how can you how can you still have like because there's a lot of stuff that's not with... set there's there's a lot of stuff that's not set mm. or maybe it's set in the rules and we say I'm going to change those rules. Okay, like in basketball, uh, they've got personal fouls, right? 
Mm-hmm. Well, what about the personal fouls that the uh, ref doesn't see? So maybe the new rule is that I can go and do personal fouls on people so long as the ref don't see it. <laughs> yeah. and that's a new rule. Or the other guy has the rule, all oh, because of personal fouls, I'm not going to do any personal fouls. Right. Could you have the rule the, if the opposite team wins, I win? Yes, you could set your own rules. Then, in fact, you sound now like the Harlem Globetrotters. Have you ever heard of the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> Not really. Okay, uh, Harlem, obviously, that's at New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Globetrotters actually did exhibitions. They were not concerned with ordinary basketball, NBA kind of stuff. That what mm-hmm. they would do is they would go and get well paid by big high schools to come in and do an exhibition. And their opposing team was the high school basketball team. And the high school basketball team always won against the Harlem Globetrotters, even (laughs) if the Harlem Globetrotter has to pick the guy up and put him in the basket so he can duck it like that. That's one of their favorite moves, by the way. Okay. All right, so they've got a whole different game, a set of rules that they're winning by. By humorously letting the other team win, which is obviously these are professionals and the high school basketball players, they love to play with professionals because they can learn a whole lot of tricks from those pros. But the pros are not interested in winning the game and grinding these high school players into the ground. They're interested in doing tours and having a lot of fun and teaching basketball. That was the Harlem Globetrotters. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. still in business or not. I would like to think, but that was so many years ago. And for yeah. sure, all of the guys who played back then are dead now or retired. Mm-hmm. But the point that I'm making is, is the Harlem Globetrotters, they made their own rules about basketball and they were completely, completely winners successful. Yeah. <laughs> even though they lost every game they played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I could just I could just tell myself that I've that I that I'm winning. Like you're winning, if- you're already the winner. Yeah, I'll give the guy a break already. You don't have to beat him into the ground. <laughs> to yeah. prove to yourself that you're a winner. <laughs> Yeah, true. And then we just stop competing with other people. And that's especially good in the meditation hall. Don't try to compete with the meditation hall participants, the other students in that retreat who were competing with each other. Don't compete with them. You've already of the won. competition Why is who compete? can sit the longest, who can sit still the longest is about the best competition that they can come up with. Mm. Okay, so don't compete with them. Don't try to win according to their standards. Win according to the standard of, wow, this is a really great retreat. I'm having so much fun here, partly because I'm not competing with other people. Right. Yeah, that actually makes it more fun. That does make it more fun, like the idea of not having to, not having to 
win by some by some type of metric that is like agreed upon because if you just don't agree and just make your own rules then you've yeah, already then you've already won because you're making the rules <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah just don't agree to participate yeah just don't, don't participate yeah that's exactly right yeah but the hard part i think is still in the recognizing that you are like people are trying to make you participate because that keeps the thing whatever thing they have going more real or more there so that's what i feel like with unspoken competition is that you kind of get drawn into it so you have to recognize that people are right. trying to draw you that's in that's where that investigating comes in to start seeing all of that stuff rather than just going along with it investigate it make a change mm. here and there and the big change mm. is i'm having fun now this is yeah. great yeah wow i'm just on a retreat i don't have to do anything i can just sit here all day long and just enjoy the heck out of got no place to go and nothing to do yeah oh, i'm excited actually <laughs> yeah okay wow okay great all right well let's go ahead and finish the call now i think that you've gotten something right out of this that you're setting yeah, your I own think so rules. Too. go set some rules so that you always feel like you're the winner you don't have to continue to be the victim playing by somebody else's rules go make your own rules yeah sure i'll, I'll you go were do anyway that. <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like the harlem globe brothers yeah exactly even when i'm losing i'm winning uh-huh yeah. okay yes okay. thank you yes call again thank soon you. we'll continue with this sounds good Damarata. thank you so much have a good day okay you too you have a really good moment you too have a good moment <laughs> have a great moment <laughs> the best moment ever <laughs> See you. One after another, exactly. Okay, we'll see you. See you.